Beloved Bhagwan, Bodhidharma's Wake Up Sermon. The essence of the way is detachment, and the goal of those who practice is freedom from appearances. The sutras say detachment is enlightenment because it negates appearances. The three realms are greed, anger, and delusion. To leave the three realms means to go from greed, anger, and delusion back to morality meditation and wisdom. The sutras say Buddhas have only become Buddhas while living with the three poisons and nourishing themselves on the pure Dharma. The three poisons are greed, anger and delusion. The great vehicle is the greatest of all vehicles. It's the conveyance of bodhisattvas who use everything without using anything and who travel all day without traveling. Such is the vehicle of Buddhas. The sutras say no vehicle is the vehicle of Buddhas. The sutras say, The cave of five aggregates is the hall of Zen. The opening of the inner eye is the door of the great vehicle. What could be clearer? Not thinking about anything is Zen. Once you know this, walking, standing, sitting or lying down, everything you do is Zen. To know that the mind is empty is to see the Buddha. The Buddhas of the Ten Directions have no mind. To see no mind is to see the Buddha. To give up yourself without regret is the greatest charity. To transcend motion and stillness is the highest meditation. Mortals keep moving while our hearts stay still. But the highest meditation surpasses that of both mortals and our hearts. People who reach such understanding free themselves from all appearances without effort and cure all illnesses without treatment. Such is the power of great Zen.
बोधि धर्म इज मोर क्लियर एंड ट्रांसपेरेंट देन एनी अदर एनलाइटेंड पर्सन बट द एक्सपीरियंस ऑफ एनलाइटेनमेंट इज सच that you can still commit mistakes this is something to be understood people ordinarily think that the man of enlightenment cannot commit mistakes that is there expectation but it is not true to reality the same has been the expectation of other religions that their prophets cannot commit mistakes although the quran is full of mistakes mountains are not ready to accept that prophet muhammad can commit any mistake the bible is so full of mistakes but it still the pope goes on declaring for 20 centuries continuously that they are infallible and their fallibilities are so apparent just as an instant john of arc was declared a witch by the pope of that time and the pope defined the which which is not the meaning of the word which as someone who is having sexual intercourse with the devil the meaning of the word which is a wise woman and it has been always the meaning up to the middle ages when the popes started declaring wise women as in the grip of the devil 
it was easy first they will torture those women to such an extent that it became unbearable day after day they were tortured finally the woman has to accept that yes she is a witch that was the only way to stop her being tortured and once she accepted and confessed that she is a witch she had to go to the court a special court appointed by the pope to declare that she has been having intercourse with the devil which is sheer nonsense because never before it was known and never afterwards nobody has seen the devil and these poor women were having intercourse with the devil and they had to describe the whole ugly thing in every detail and once they confessed the court ordered them to be burned alive thousands of women in europe were in danger and thousands were already burned alive John of Arc fought for freedom of her country she was a young woman of tremendous courage and she won the freedom for the country hence there was immense respect for John of Arc and the jealous pope could not allow John of Arc to be left alone it became a competition who is more respectable John of Arc or the pope the easiest way was to declare her a witch and he declared her a witch and they tortured the poor young woman that finally she had to accept there was no way out and she was burnt alive but this created 
a very different result than expected by the Pope. He fall in people's eyes more, and Joan of Arc became a martyr. She was loved more, she gained more sympathy. People almost started worshipping her. So after three hundred years, another Pope realized that it has been a mistake on the part of the previous Pope. He has unnecessarily created a martyr He should have been more careful. It was easy to destroy ordinary women, but to destroy a woman like Joan of Arc, he was not cautious enough. After three hundred years, another Pope declared Joan of Arc was not a witch. She was a saint, and her bones were dragged out of the grave and worshipped. And a great memorial was made, because now she has become Saint Joan of Arc. You can see At least one of the Pope was fallible, most probably both. But one thing is certain, both cannot be right. And the Popes are enlightened, are not enlightened people. They know nothing of enlightenment. The East has been very concerned for ten thousand years with the phenomenon of enlightenment. It certainly brings you great light, great clarity, great ecstasy, and the feeling of immortality. But even though it brings so much, the existence is so vast that your enlightenment is just a dewdrop in the ocean of the existence. However transparent and clear your understanding may be, there is always a possibility to commit mistakes. And this has been recognized by the East. 
even Gautam Buddha is reported to have said that the existence is so vast, so infinite in all dimensions that even an enlightened man may commit mistake. This is true religiousness and humbleness. The idea of infallibility is nothing but ugly ego. Hence, when I say something that Bodhidharma has missed the point, don't misunderstand me. Don't start thinking that Bodhidharma is not enlightened. There is no contradiction. He is enlightened, one of the greatest enlightened people on the earth. But enlightenment makes you blossom, come to spring, with your whole potentiality becoming actual, but it does not mean that you become incapable of committing any mistake. In fact, the enlightened man becomes so humble that if you point to his mistake, he will accept them. He is so detached from his own personality, it does not matter. He has no ego, he is not hurt. And he accepts that there are possibilities where he may become too much one-sided, may lean into this multi-dimensional existence towards certain dimensions more, may become averse to the dimensions which are against of his own experiences and feelings. Existence contains all contradictions and even at the highest point of enlightenment it is very difficult to contain contradictions. Man, after all, 
is men asleep are away it is very difficult to conceive contradictions to be existing together and they are not contradictions but complementary the easier thing seems to be to choose one side and go against the other but that does not mean that the enlightenment is not complete it simply means even an enlightened man can have a partiality and it is because of the vastness of the universe when gautam buddha was asked because he was a contemporary of mahavira and the followers of mahavira was saying about mahavira that he knows past present future that he knows all that has ever been that is and that will ever be they were making him synonymous to the idea of god omnipotent omniscient omnipresent and it is worth remembering that gautam buddha laughed he said i have heard once mahavira was begging before a house where nobody has lived for a long time and there was nobody inside the house and the people who call him that he knows everything of the past of the present of the future and he does not know that he is standing before a house and there is nobody in the house and gautam buddha joked about mahavira that once i have heard he was walking early in the morning it was hot summer so he had started to move very early before the sunrise and he stepped on the tail of a dog and when the dog started barking then he became aware that there is a dog the darkness was there and this man knows past present and future 
and he does not know the tail of the dog under his feet. And I certainly agree with Gautam Buddha. Mahavira never claims that was the claim of the disciples. People like Mahavira don't claim anything. And the disciples of Gautam Buddha ask, what is your position about knowing past, present and future? And the humbleness of Gautam Buddha is so great, he said, I am not omnipotent or omniscient or omnipresent. I have a clear vision, but compared to the vastness of existence, it is a very small phenomenon. Yes, I can know about past if I focus on the past. I can know about the future if I focus on the future. I can know about the present if I focus on the present. But focusing becomes impossible as you become enlightened. Because focusing is another name for concentration. That is a quality of the mind. And enlightenment is the quality of no mind. No mind cannot focus. It cannot have any boundaries. So there is a possibility that sometimes an enlightened man may commit subtle mistakes, but that does not go against his enlightenment. I wanted to make it clear to you because in today's sutras He is against speaking things which are right for a bodhisattva because he does not know the way of the arhatas. But he is mistaken. He rather should have said that I don't know the experiences of the arhatas because I am not an arhata. He is bragging about the Mahayana, the great vehicle 
and he is in some way making the hinayana the small vehicle of the arhatas condemned i will not agree with that because i am not a party to any group it makes my work in a way simple in a way very difficult simple because i can see from far away both the sides of the coin which people who are involved cannot see but on the other hand it makes my work more difficult because it starts taking a multidimensionality and i have sometimes to speak against the people i have loved immensely but love is not a higher quality than truth when it comes to decide between your love and your truth truth has to be the decisive factor the sutras the essence of the way is detachment it is true all our miseries are nothing but attachment our whole ignorance and darkness is a strange combination of thousand and one attachments and we are attached to things which will be taken away by the time of death or even perhaps before you may be very much attached to money but you can go bankrupt tomorrow you may be very much attached to your power and position your presidency your prime ministership but they are like so bubbles today they are there tomorrow 
not even a trace will be left. It happened before the Russian Revolution. The Prime Minister of Russia was Kerensky. During the time of the chaos of revolution, when the Tsar and his whole family was butchered, nineteen percent in all. And the revolutionaries were so revengeful that they did not leave even a six-month-old baby. They did not want any trace of the family of the Tsars left in the world. But Kerensky escaped in time, and he died in 1960, and for all these half a century, nobody had any idea what happened to Kerensky. He was a grocer running a grocery store in New York. In disguise, Russian Empire was one of the greatest empire that have ever existed, it's spreading from one continent to another continent. And the Prime Minister, who was a great power one day, becomes the owner of a grocery store in New York and becomes so much afraid that he changes his name, he changes his identity. Only when he died it was found in his papers and in his diaries that he was Kerensky, the missing Prime Minister of the Tsars. All our positions, all our powers, our money, our prestige, respectability, they are all so bubbles. And certainly the essence of the way is detachment. Don't get attached to the soap bubbles. Otherwise, you will be continuously in misery and again. Those soap bubbles 
don't care that you are attached to them. They go on bursting and disappearing into the air and leaving you behind with a wounded heart, with a failure, with a deep destruction of your ego, they make you sour, bitter, irritated, frustrated. They make your life a hell. Just to understand that the life is made of the same stuff as dreams are made of. is the essence of the way, detachment. Live in the world, but don't be of the world. Live in the world, but don't let the world live within you. Remember that it is all a beautiful dream because everything is changing and disappearing. Don't cling to anything. Clinging is the cause of our being unconscious. If you start unclinging, a tremendous release of energy will happen within you, and that energy that was involved in clinging with things will bring a new dawn to your being. A new light a new understanding, a tremendous unburdening, no possibility of any misery, agony, anguish. And on the contrary, when all these things disappear, you find yourself serene, calm and quiet in a subtle joyfulness. There is a laughter in your being. That's what Bodhidharma says that a Buddha laughs without laughing. Nobody has seen any statue of Buddha laughing. There is no need for him to laugh. His whole being is feeling the laugh. 
you have to understand the psychology of laughter. You laugh very easily. Your laughter has a different quality than the laughter of a Buddha. You laugh because your life is so miserable that any moment, any incident which looks ridiculous helps you to forget your misery for a moment. All your tensions disappear and there is a laughter. Hence laughter is a great relaxing phenomena. It is tremendously healthy. Within a second it takes you beyond all your tensions, but only for a moment, and you are back again in your dark cave. A Buddha laughs without laughing, because he has no tensions. He does not accumulate the energy intentions that can explode in a laughter. And he knows that life is ridiculous. Here people are doing things which are all laughable. Laughter becomes something ingrained in his very cells of being. It does not come just to his lips. His clarity makes him see things which perhaps you go on missing seeing. I have heard a woman suddenly said to the man who was in bed with her that get up quick. I heard the noise of my husband's car, which is so rotten that you can hear it from half a mile away. He has just bragged in the porch. You just get up. 
the man got up and he said, but where I am to go? He said, jump out of the window. Fortunately, it was not a sixty-story building. It was just the ground floor. So he jumped out, but he was naked, and it was raining. But fortunately a group of joggers was passing by, so he joined them, finding no other way, otherwise he's standing there naked, he will be caught. And a two dozen joggers, he mixed with them, and in the darkness of the early morning, he managed well. Just one jagger by his side looked at this man, looks naked. He could not resist his temptation. He asked, Do you always jog naked? He said, yes. Then as darkness was disappearing and a little light was coming up, the man recognized that he is nobody else but the bishop. And in that small light he saw that he is not only naked, he is wearing a condom. He said, Father, do you always wear condom when jogging? And the bishop said, no, not always, only when it is raining. The more watchful you become, the more you will find life such a comedy. So much is happening all around. So much stupidity, so much ridiculousness. But a Buddha does not laugh. Because twenty-four hours in his clarity and transparent vision, each cell of his being is laughing.
there is no need to laugh loudly silently he is in a laughter that is laughing without laughter if you become detached you will be able to see how people are attached to trivia and how much they are suffering and you will laugh at yourself because you were also in the same boat before detachment is certainly the essence of the way and the goal of those who practice is freedom from appearances what you see in the world is not the reality but only an appearance deep behind the appearance the mask is the reality and to know the reality you have to be free from appearances and all your attachments prevent you you become attached to the mask we rarely grow and become mature we just go on changing our toys we remain children we go on changing our teddy bears you must have seen on railway stations on airports small children dragging their teddy bears with them ugly dirty but to them they are very essential without them they cannot sleep the teddy bear is their companion they will become older and they will drop that teddy bear but they will drop it only when they have found another teddy bear it does not matter what is the shape of the teddy bear it can be money 
I used to know in my village, and I have never forgotten that man, and I don't think I will ever forget him. He was a goldsmith, but very rich, and he has a way of his speaking which was very hilarious. He was continuously stuttering. And he was attached to a strange idea, and he used to brag about it, that unless I have one hundred rupees in my pocket, I don't urinate. And he was famous all over the village that, what a great idea, hundred rupees have to be in his pocket, then only he can urinate. He was sowing his richness, but a strange idea he has found, I don't think that anybody has ever that idea. It was so original, but it was hilarious. And in those days there were no notes. So he was carrying one hundred rupees, gold coins, such a weight in his pockets, and people used to ask him, where are you going? Have you counted your rupees? Because if they are ninety-nine and suddenly you feel like going to the urinal, you will be stuck, and he will immediately count his money. And he will say, there is no problem. One hundred rupees is a must, without it. I cannot do even such a small thing as pissing. What to say about great things? That was his teddy bear. He used to sleep with those one hundred rupees. You may not be aware, because you are not aware, 
But if you look a little bit, you can find what is your teddy bear. appearances in the world are preventing you to know the reality of the world and of your own being. What appears is not the reality. Reality is hidden behind appearances. And unless you become attuned with reality, those appearances which are just dream stuff are going to torture you continuously. And everybody is feeling the agony, the misery, but goes on living it because there seems to be no way to drop it. Bodhidharma is telling you the way, and it is the essential way of all the religions. Detachment, freedom from appearances. The sutras say detachment is enlightenment. Because it negates appearances. The three realms are greed, anger, and delusion. You have to watch these three realms because these are the barriers, three barriers to your enlightenment. Bodhidharma is very soft, condensed, does not go in philosophical discussion, simply states the fact, and that's his beauty. He has reduced the whole religion And the way out of it in very few words. Greed is your aggression. It is the desire always for more. It never stops, it goes on asking for more. 
and because it goes on asking for more you are always miserable whatever you may have you cannot enjoy it because you don't have more by the time you have more your greed has gone ahead of you it is always ahead of you asking for more i used to stay in calcutta in a very rich family and the husband and wife used to come to pick me up from the airport the husband was always a very cheerful person but one time i found he is very sad driving the car but very sad i asked his wife what is the matter because he has been always chit-chatting and was always cheerful the wife laughed and the husband looked at her very seriously very angrily the wife said you are asking so i am saying the whole responsibility is yours i am not to be looked like as if i am committing a sin and laughingly she said to me that he said because he has lost 5 lakh rupees rather but you are laughing and your husband has lost 5 lakh rupees she said i am laughing because in fact he has gained 5 lakh rupees but he was expecting 10 lakhs and the trouble is he cannot understand that you have earned 5 lakhs out of a business but he said because he was counting for 10 lakhs what about the remaining 5 lakhs so although he has profited enough but he is not happy his misery is that he has lost 5 lakhs and he has not lost a single pesa i asked the man what is the matter he said in a way she is right but i am really feeling sad 10 lakhs were absolutely certain in the business even more was possible 
but only five lakhs turned out. And I cannot forget the five lakhs that I have missed. Now can you think a man can be happy, joyous, who is thinking of expectation and your expectations are always too much. Then the reality allows. Hence there is always a feeling of failure. There is always a sadness lurking somewhere in your being. Greed is an aggressive attitude towards existence. Grab as much as you can and go on grabbing more and more and more. Waste your whole life and your whole intelligence in grabbing more and more. And what is the point? Death will not be late, not even late for a single minute. It always comes in right time. And all that you have grabbed and wasted your life for it, you will have to leave it here. Bodhidharma has said, that one man was so greedy that when his wife was almost dying, his friends told him that it is time you should call a physician. He said, but it costs too much. They said it is going to be really ugly, inhuman. Your wife is dying and you are thinking about paying some fee to the physician. He said, wives don't count much. If she dies, I can get married again. And death and life are not in the hands of men. They are decided by fate. If she is going to die, she will die, whether the physician I call or not. Why waste money? If she is going to live, she will live. In either way, 
physician is absolutely unnecessary. The friend said that we have never thought that you are so greedy. We always have heard that you are greedy, but so much. Do you think you are going to take all your money with you when you die? He said, of course, I have a plan. They could not believe him. He said, what plan? He said, before I die, I will take all the money in a boat, go deep into the ocean, jump with all my money into the ocean. The friends could not believe their ears. They said, are you mad or something? Still, your money will be left in the ocean and you will have to go alone. He said, at least there will be a satisfaction that nobody else is enjoying my money. You will find all kinds of greedy people and you will find all sorts of greed within yourself. And when greed is not fulfilled, anger arises, frustration arises, you become angry with the world, you become angry with yourself, you become angry with everybody, and you can see it on all old people, why they are so irritated, why it is so difficult to extend them. They are frustrated people. They have wasted their life in grabbing more and more, but the more is never satisfied. Now they are feeling angry at life. So any excuse is enough and they will become angry. Greed is the root cause and when it is not fulfilled, it leaves you with great anger, frustration, irritation, failure. And in your anger and frustration and failure, a third thing arises, delusion. Delusion is a consolation. 
डिजन इज ए वे समहा टू कीप योर सेल्फ टूगेदर वैन पंडित जवाहरलाल नेहरू वॉज द प्राइम मिनिस्टर ऑफ इंडिया देर वर एटलीस्ट टेन पर्सन्स हु बिलीव दैट दे आर पंडित जवाहरलाल नेहरू एटलीस्ट वन आई न्यू पर्सनली बिकॉज यू लिव इन द नियर बाय डिस्ट्रिक्ट and i used to go to that city to lecture in their colleges and i loved that man because he used exactly the same clothes as jawaharlal nehru with the gandhi cap with the hand woven khadi जवाहर जैकेट एंड ही टॉप लाइक जवाहरलाल ही वॉज इन लाफिंग स्टाफ but he never carried he said to me that these people are idiots and he used to give telegrams if he was going to visit a beautiful place which was nearby kana kisli a beautiful forest with thousands of deer he will give just a telegram that pandit jawaharlal nehru is reaching to the collector of that district and signed by the secretary of jawaharlal and he deceived many times circuit houses were emptied cleaned and jawaharlal nehru is coming and later on they will find that this man is bogus finally he was put in a mad house and it was not a new phenomenon in england when winston churchill was prime minister there were at least three more winston churchills in england believing absolutely that they are winston churchill 
there is on record a case in the life of Khalif Umar. A man was brought to him who was declaring that he has come from God with a new message. Now the message Muhammad has brought is out of date. It is time because almost one thousand years have passed, everything has changed and God has sent me as His prophet with a new message. Mondans are very fanatic. Umar ordered that this man should be tortured for seven days. Tie him with a pillar naked and beat him and don't give him anything to eat. And after seven days I will come and see. So after seven days he went there. The man was almost dying. So much blood has flown because they were beating him continuously without giving him food. And Umar said, what do you think now? Have you changed your mind or not? The man laughed. He said, change my mind? When I was leaving God, he said to me, remember, my prophets are always tortured. Your torture has proved perfectly that I am the prophet. At that very point, another man who was tied to another pillar for almost one month because he was declaring that he himself is God, shouted to Umar that don't listen to that idiot. I have never sent any prophet after Muhammad. Muhammad is my only prophet and this man is a cheat. Now what to say about these people? And they are not exceptions. Everybody has some kind of delusion. Everybody is thinking things which he is not. But these delusions are helpful as a lubricating system. It helps your life somehow to move on great consolation.
इफ यू कैन नॉट बिकम द प्राइम मिनिस्टर एट लीस्ट यू कैन क्रिएट ए डिलीजन दैट यू आर इफ यू कैन नॉट बिकम द रिचेस्ट मैन यू कैन स्टिल बिलीव दैट यू आर You can make your delusion so solid that nobody can change it. A madman was brought to a psychiatrist. His madness was very special. His madness was that he has been thinking that he has. gone dead so when his family will say go to the shop tend the shop he will say you don't understand dead people don't go to the shop they don't tend shop they tried hard in every way to persuade him that you are perfectly alive and he will say how i can believe you when i know that i am dead finally they brought him to the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist said don't be worried i will put him right and he asked to the madman do you think dead people bleed he said no dead people never bleed so he said there is a simple experiment to be done and he took his knife and cut the dead man's finger just a little bit and blood came running out the family was very happy that this man within a minute has changed the whole situation but they never knew that delusions are not so easily to be dispelled the madman laughed the psychiatrist said that blood shows that you are not dead he said no that blood shows that the proverb that dead men don't believe is wrong they do believe and the proof now what can you do the proverb is wrong and i am the proof for its being wrong dead men do believe delusions settled so deeply in you and the reason for those delusions is that to live continuously in frustration 
is a difficult task. You start believing in things which you have not got. And you should look into your own mind how many things are only delusions. And Bodhidharma says these three realms, greed, anger and delusion, to leave these three realms means to go from greed, anger and delusion back to morality, meditation and wisdom. Morality, meditation and wisdom are in fact not three things but only three names. The exact thing is meditation. On one part it brings morality in your life, on another side it brings wisdom in your life. But you cannot do anything to attain wisdom directly, neither you can do anything to be moral directly. But you can do something to meditation. You can meditate directly and morality and wisdom both are byproducts. Morality will be in your actions and wisdom will be your intelligence, your awareness, your final enlightenment. The sutras say Buddhas have only become Buddhas while living with the three poisons and nursing themselves on the pure dharma. Bodhidharma is saying that don't be worried about three poisons of greed, anger and delusion. Even Buddhas have lived through the same experience as you are all passing through. But because they started nursing themselves through meditation and started becoming aware of their self-nature, all these poisons disappeared. They have found the antidote. Meditation is the antidote to all the poisons of your life. It is the nourishment of your 
authentic nature. The three poisons are greed, anger, and delusion. The great vehicle is the greatest of all vehicles. This I call a prejudice. He continuously insisting and emphasizing that Mahayana, the great vehicle, is the greatest of all vehicles. It is the conveyance of bodhisattvas who use everything without using anything and who travel all day without traveling. Such is the vehicle of the Buddhas. The sutras say, no vehicle is the vehicle of the Buddhas. To an ordinary logical mind, to anybody who is looking at life with rationality, this will look a very absurd statement. First he calls the great vehicle is the greatest of all vehicles. It is the conveyance of bodhisattvas who use everything without using anything and who travel all day without traveling. Such is the vehicle of Buddhas. And then the sutras say no vehicle is the vehicle of the Buddhas. It is the same as his other statement, walking without walking, acting without acting, speaking without speaking. So there is no contradiction. He is using the same expression for vehicle. The greatest vehicle is a no vehicle. The sutras say the cave of five aggregates is the hall of Zen. The five aggregates are the five elements the body is made. Earth, air, fire, water, and the sky. These five are the aggregates, iskandhas, 
element of which your body is made. Just behind these five elements is hidden your treasure, the hall of Zen. Just inside the temple made by these five elements is the fire of your awareness. This body is a temple and your consciousness is the God of the temple. The opening of the inner eye is the door of the great vehicle. What could be clearer? As you become more and more aware, you start having a third eye These two eyes look outwards, that third eye looks inwards. And to see yourself is the greatest experience. Because once you have seen your beauty, then all beauties of the outside world fade away. Once you have seen your purity, then everything outside becomes polluted. Once you have seen your inner splendor, then even a beautiful sunrise or a grand sunset or a night sky full of stars are nothing compared to the splendor of your being. You are the highest peak of evolution, of life, of consciousness. Not thinking about anything is Zen. Just being silent without any thought is what is meant by meditation. Once you know this, walking, standing, sitting or lying down, everything you do is Zen. This is a significant statement. Perhaps no other religion is there who has made your whole life 24 hours, 
a meditative experience. Zen does not believe in meditating one hour in the morning or one hour in the night. It does not make meditation a separate particular act. It wants to become meditation a quality of your being. So whatever you are doing, walking, sitting, standing, lying down, chopping wood, carrying water from the well, it does not matter whatever you are doing, you are doing so silently, so peacefully, without any stirring of thoughts in your mind then your whole life has become meditation. You go to bed silently. You wake up silently. And one day you will realize that you sleep also silently. As thoughts disappear, dreams also disappear then the circle is complete. For Zen meditation has to be a twenty-four-hour affair. It is not some extra act that you have to do. It is not a Sunday religion that six days do everything you want to do at least seventh day on Sunday, go to the church for one hour and you are a great Christian. It is absolutely illogical and absurd. Just going to the church for one hour and then living your mundane life with greed, with anger, with delusion is not going to transform you. And no Jesus can save you. My people in the commune has made a small placard for cars. It said Moses earns, Jesus saves, Bhagwan spends. I like that. What is the point of saving? 
जीसिस सीम्स टू बी लाइक ए बैंकर एंड ऑफकोर्स मोजिज आर फॉर मोजिज एवरीथिंग इज बिजनेस एंड फॉर मी सर्टेनली everything is going to be taken away before it is taken away use it spend it enjoy it why wait for death to snatch it away certainly it is absolutely right one our religion or even a mohammedan who prays five times a day is not going to hell religion has to become something like your heart beat meditation has to become something like your breathing whatever you are doing you are breathing it is not a separate action and only then you are saturated in every fiber of your being with meditativeness to know that the mind is empty is to see the buddha the buddhas of the 10 directions have no mind to see no mind is to see the buddha now you can see why i have been insisting that the disciple is taking wrong notes this is the right statement by bodhidharma the buddhas have no mind to see no mind is to see the buddha but it is very strange that these sutras have existed for 1000 years and nobody has seen the contradiction perhaps religious people are so blind such believers that they will not see any contradiction even if it is there so apparent to give up yourself without regret is the greatest charity but the indian constitution will not believe in it the indian constitution believes in charity according to the christian idea it is a very strange constitution
it is hodgepodge. In Hindi we call it, it is khichdi. Humbug. What the people who made the Constitution have done, they have collected all the constitutions of the world and taken beautiful passages from every constitution without knowing that those beautiful passages were alive in a certain context in their constitution. When you take them out, they become dead. Indian constitution is the most dead constitution in the world. Because everything has been taken and borrowed from others. It is not a growth. It is simply a combination. Take everything good. Somebody's eyes are good, take them out. Somebody's ears are really beautiful, take them out. Somebody's mustache, pull it out. You can make a man just by taking beautiful things from everywhere. Eyes of Cleopatra, and the nose of Amrapali, and the body of Alexander the Great, and the mind of Albert Einstein. But remember, although you have taken all the best parts from the best people, you have collected only a corpse, it won't have any life. What Bodhidharma is saying about charity, we have been fighting with the Indian government and the Indian courts for almost ten years that their conception of charity is very poor. Their conception is very limited. Give to the poor. Make hospitals, make schools, this is charity. There is nothing sublime in their idea of charity. Bodhidharma's single statement is far more significant. He says to give up yourself without regret is the greatest charity. To give up to yourself to whom? 
to the universe. Don't be a separate entity. Just drop into the ocean of existence and become one with it. This is the greatest charity. Because what else you can give? You had come empty-handed in the world and you will go empty-handed out of the world. Everything that you have is not yours. Your house is nothing but a caravan saran. Your money is not yours money. You have exploited it. Your land is not your land. It has been always there before you came and it will remain there before, after you are gone. What is yours? Only you can give that which is yours. You cannot give that which is not yours. You cannot contribute all the stars to the poor. You cannot contribute the sun to the poor. You cannot contribute the moon to the poor. It does not belong to you in the first place. All that you can contribute is your own being. Hence, Bodhidharma is absolutely right that there is only one charity and that is to give yourself without regret, in fact with great joy and rejoicing to the existence become part of the whole. To transcend motion and stillness is the highest meditation. Whether you are sitting silently or you are walking silently, You have to transcend all forms. Motion and stillness, action and inaction, day and night, life and death, transcend all and you will have the highest fragrance of meditation in you. Mortals keep moving and again he comes to his prejudice. While arhatas stay still. But the highest meditation surpasses that of both mortals and arhatas. 
he does not know anything about arhatas. Arhatas don't say anything, but they have also transcended motion and stillness. Just because they don't say anything does not mean that they have not transcended. In fact, their transcendence is so great that it cannot be said or conveyed in words. So I will not agree with Bodhidharma. He has to forgive me. With every apology, I want to say to him that your understanding about arhatas is absolutely zero. Instead of arhatas, he should have used the word ascetics. Mortals and ascetics. Don't know this transcending. People who reach such understanding free themselves from all appearances without effort and cure all illnesses without treatment. Such is the power of great zeal. Such is the power of great meditation. Such is the power of knowing yourself. All illnesses disappear. Illnesses of the spirit. All wounds suddenly cure. Wounds of the spirit. And all appearances, delusions, greed and anger are found no more, not even their footprint. Such is the power of knowing oneself in deep meditation. He is perfectly right about everything except what he says about Arhata. That has to be changed. In fact, I am not against Bodhidharma. I am doing him a great favor. I am taking out his mistake. 
am making him almost infallible. His prejudice against Arhatas drags him down from the great sunlit peak which is his home. If you meet somewhere Bodhidharma in some life, just remind him that few corrections are needed. And certainly he cannot make me afraid by his big eyes. I can also make him afraid with my big eyes. Okay, Thank you.